Did you see this today? It was the anniversary of the Kimbo versus Dada 5000 fight? No, I didn't see it. Yeah. Is that the worst fight of all time? Yeah. Or at least one of them. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't fixed, but it was bad. My worst fixed fight of all time was Kimbo versus, you know, Ken Shamrock and Bellator. <laughs> or any Bob Sapp fight ever. Yeah. Poor Kimbo, man. Yeah. He had, like, what is his legacy? It's the street fights, right? It's the the YouTube virality that he had, if that's a word. I think I think his legacy also is, like, he really got to the big show after coming from nothing. Like, his internet, like, status, star status is what got him to the UFC. Mm-hmm. Like, the guy fought Matt Mitrione. You know what I mean? Like, at least he can say that. Obviously, Matt Mitrione is garbage, but you know what I mean? Yeah, Matt Mitrione has, hasn't done too much. I mean, he finished Fedor, right? That was, like, his career highlight Yeah. since moving to Bellator. And then ever since then, it's really been all downhill. Yeah, and the sad thing was, like, he had so many chances because he had some big fights, mm-hmm. big fights. But just, I guess, when the opportunity presented itself, he just didn't follow through. Yeah. Well, poor Matt Mitrione. Yeah. What's going on, guys? Your boy Elroy here, and welcome back to the Your Boy Elroy MMA podcast. I'm your host, Josh Prep Egina, and I'm here with my good buddy. Andre Rodriguez. Andre, how are you? What's going on, Prep? Yo, so first off, I would like to congratulate friend of the show. Uh, he's sat in once. He's uh, sent us multiple questions. Zeus, congratulations on the arrival of his son, baby Zeus, Zeus Jr., So, from me, and Andre might have some more stuff to say, but Zeus and Summer, I believe her name is? Yes. Congratulations. I'm so happy that you guys had a healthy delivery. The baby's beautiful. Um, And Zeus, I'm so happy for you. Fatherhood is my favorite thing. Like, I hate to call it a hobby, but like... Spending time with my daughter is my favorite thing to do. And I know you have two other daughters, but now you have a son. Like, I'm so excited for you to embark on this journey. Andre? Hey, man. <clears throat> Been through a lot as friends, but I can call you my brother. And uh, it's just so great to see you, you know, have your son finally. So, you know, best of luck to you. I know he's going to be a great fighter when he gets older. but congratulations to you in summer yeah man so with that let's get into some of this week's news that being the biggest news honestly yeah for us um but there's some fun stuff up here something that i found interesting and honestly andre if pash already has one foot out the door of watching wwe This might set him off completely. (laughs) T 
Tito Ortiz has been spotted training at the WWE Performance Center. Um, reports are that he is well-liked. He's doing great, allegedly. And uh, listen, I saw Tito Ortiz's run in TNA, or Impact as it's called now, and it was awful. Um, let's just say he was no Dan Lambert. Dan Lambert is a fantastic wrestling promo. Tito Ortiz, he has no presence, no promo. We, we saw it when he went against Chael Sonnen, how he got demolished. And it's crazy because he, he had charisma, a lot of charisma. Like if you go back to the first, you know, 25 or 30 UFCs to watch like highlights of Tito Ortiz. Just look at the fun stuff like Dana is my B. Uh, you know, it's not right now, but uh, Gay Metzger. Like all the stuff that he did, you know, his feud with Ken Shamrock. All that stuff was fantastic, but like now in his later years, do you remember how bad he got owned by Chael Sonnen? Like, don't get me wrong, I think he... He ended up winning that fight. Yeah. But, like, if we're talking, like, a tit-for-tat promo, like, he just didn't stand a chance. And, you know, his ties to Trump, Pash is going to hate this. But, Andre, yeah. what do you think about Tito Ortiz? You know, he's he's over 40, right? And he's trying to wrestle now? Like, pro-wrestle? Yeah, I mean, it's it's crazy because when you think about it, like, the only reason I can see this is because it's probably not going to be that much of a strain on his back anymore because, you know, he's had it. And also his neck. I mean, he's had a lot of surgeries. But, you know, at the same time, eventually the fights will run out. There will be no one left to fight. And he's just not getting any better. Like, he's the same guy. The only difference is that it looked like he was improving because the opposition wasn't as good as when he was fighting in the UFC. So it's easy for him to get submission victories. And on top of that, he's a pretty big light heavyweight, you know, like let, let's be honest. Like he's about the same size as most of the top dudes now, you know, and he's, he hasn't been fighting anybody who's really been that good. But I think that, it's going to suck watching him in wrestling again because I was actually around during the TNA era when I saw him make a brief run. But I don't really want to see him do anything. I mean, I think the only thing I'd really like to see him do is possibly just, you know, be around in the UFC Performance Center or maybe start coaching full-time or something like that, you know, but... I don't know. The The entertainment industry doesn't need another failed MMA guy who's old and just wants to stick around for a big payday, you know? Like, I would understand if he was, like, some sort of trainer. But if you think about it, like, what's he going to train in? They already have, you know, the cream of the crop when it comes to, like, amateur wrestling trainers that are there. Yeah. They have, like the best people when it comes to actual wrestling as well as, like, strength and conditioning. Like, if you've ever seen any of their strength and conditioning videos on the uh, Performance Center YouTube, the stuff that these people do are ridiculous. Yeah. Like, I just don't see where he fits in. I think he's too old. He uh, 
he has no appeal. He's not a draw or anything. So I'm curious to see what people think about this. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, there's there isn't much that he can do. I mean, it's like you said, like he's not one of those personalities where the WWE fans are going to be like, yo, this guy's the real deal. Like he could potentially be a serious matchup for this guy. And let's be real. I mean, his real status is going to be like if he if he was that good, he'll probably just be another Brock Lesnar. And people hate Brock Lesnar. You know what I mean? Yeah, now, but but it's too late. We've seen that already, so it's not something that we're really looking for. Yeah. But I'm I guess I'll be interested uh sorry. <laughs> I'd be interested to see how it unfolds. Um in recent MMA news uh meaning somebody who's actually fighting uh this comes off because Darren Till you know finally finally got his work visa and he accepts the challenge of Jared Cannonier but uh Jared Cannonier took to Instagram to say Darren Till I'm happy you found some courage and finally decided to accept the fight on Monday but only two days after I tore my left pec completely. When it happened on Saturday, 7th February, I was in Houston to talk about how you wouldn't accept the fight. Now had you said yes when they offered instead of dodging the fight, presumably I would have been in Phoenix getting ready to beat your ass. I'm not blaming you, but I kind of am. <laughs> anyway, I'm getting surgery on Tuesday. If you're still around the middleweight division, I'll hit you up in the fall. P.S. Tell your little minions to stop tagging me in your weird-ass posts. That was a direct quote. So if, yeah. if my pauses were weird, it's because of a period. Uh, the English on this was uh, fantastic. Great job. <laughs> but, yeah, it's unfortunate. You know, he's going to be out for a little bit, and we're not going to see. You know, because he could have been the next guy. Yeah, for sure. I like mean, if say if Darren Till wouldn't have took the fight and um Paulo Costa had like a miraculous recovery to where he was ready for a fight right after Izzy's fight, I think they could have did Jared Cannonier versus Paulo Costa, number one contender fight. <sighs> that would have been awesome. But now we won't see Jared Cannonier till the fall, which is really unfortunate. It is because I'm not going to lie to you. It's not just his skills in there. It's just his de- demeanor and how he's carrying himself. Like, I like this guy. I don't know what it is. It's weird because he kind of just came out of nowhere. I mean, l- let's kind of just take it back for a second, right? So he moves down officially to 185, I believe, after he was defeated by Dominic Reyes. In a performance where he didn't look that bad. It was just clear that there was a very big size disadvantage. And he really did try his best, but there wasn't much that he could do. I mean, Dominic Reyes is a beast, and we can now see why, you know, he beat Jared Cannonier, But he then moves down to 185 to then fight a legitimate contender in David Branch, and he smokes him. And, you know, he faced some adversity in that fight, and he recovered and secured a finish on somebody who, you know, didn't 
I guess didn't expect it to happen that way. And then he goes on a run. Then he fights Jack Hermanson, a guy who was surging in the middleweight division, and he steamrolls him. I miss him. Yeah, me too. Damn. I really miss Jack Hermanson. But I want to see him come back. Yeah, I do too, man. I mean, he, he was such a great – I mean, well, <laughs> he was such a great – he's a great fighter. Yeah, but he's you know, still a prospect. Like, he still can come back. Yeah. One fight doesn't really deter me. Yeah, I mean, if the fight if the fight with Kelvin Gastelum is there, that'd be a great fight for him to take. If Darren Till wants to get a legitimate, like, quick fight, Jack Hermanson will for sure step in. I'm, I'm pretty sure he will. I mean, but the thing with Jared Cannonier is that, like, he just came onto the scene and he was like, all right, this is kind of my last chance. Like, I'm 34 years old. You know, I'm not getting any younger. I have to, like, make a surge and a run for the title. I have the skills. I have the strength. So I got to do it. And and you have to really think about the progression of his career. Like, the guy used to fight at heavyweight, like, a long time ago. Dropped down to light heavyweight. Didn't work out there. And now he's at middleweight killing it, you know? So the sky's the limit for him. And I really do hope... That, you know, he gets a quick recovery. He can come back and, you know, get that title shot that I feel that he deserves, you know. But the but the best thing about the middleweight division right now is the fact that there are so many contenders. And there's still guys hanging around who have a potential opportunity to get to a title shot, you know. And I know you might laugh, but, like, Derek Brunson is another one, you know. Like, even though he lost to Izzy, he has won a couple fights. And it seems like he's fixed some of the issues that he had in the past. One being his patience, two being his gas tank, you know. Like before, we we saw a lot of times that he would kind of gas himself out after, you know, constant pressure, and then he would just get stuck, you know. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, we'll see what happens with him too. We have Edmund Shabazian still rising up in the ranks, waiting to get a – potential top five opponent, you know, so there's so much going on. But I just feel like Jared Cannonier stands out, you know. Yeah. I against like all Jared. of them. I do. I do. I like him a lot. I think he <coughs> excuse me. I think he can beat Paulo Costa too. Yeah, yeah. Which which is the fight that obviously I wanna see. I'm I'm not gonna stop talking about it um till it happens. Yeah and and, and it's not just his skill too, like I, I know I touched on that, but he also has really good physical upside. Like for him only being five foot eleven, he has a seventy seven inch reach. Mm-hmm. And that has been seen to like cause a lot of problems against his opponents because he's a little shorter, but he can still hit you from a pretty good distance. And his kicks are really powerful too, so he he's a guy who can fight on the inside and the outside. And the fact that he's so powerful, it just makes him even more dangerous. And I feel like if Costa can't close the distance intelligently, he's going to have a rough time because he got dropped by Yoel Romero. And thank God he didn't get knocked out. But with somebody like Jared Cannonier hitting him flush and accurately, where he's actually, like, you know, really smart in the way that he approaches striking, especially against guys who hit hard, too. I mean, 
it, it could be a, a rough night for Paulo Costa if he's not smart, you know? And the thing is that when I think about that fight, the one who has a lot of, you know, disadvantages is Paulo Costa because his gas tank might not be able to hold up whether it's three rounds or five rounds. And Cannoneer's patient. So will he get frustrated trying to create different exchanges? And will he get frustrated when he realizes that Cannoneer is not going to get pushed back, but instead moves forward on his own, you know? it You know, it's, it's a lot to deal with. That's why I feel like Cannoneer will probably end up being Israel's toughest test to date, you know? I think that's the fight that Izzy's probably going to end up having the most trouble with because Cannoneer has shown, like, even against bigger guys, like, he can take a shot. And he's not just going to stay there and get hit, you know? He's not going to get picked apart. Like, he's pretty intelligent in there. So, yeah, I, I, I can pretty much rant all day about this guy. but Yeah, I do like that, that Izzy's taking that fight head on, too. He's He's already said he's the one. Like, I can't wait to fight him. Yeah. It's awesome because it's always good when you see guys that come out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. But sometimes they fall short, you know? But I don't think Janet Can Jared Cannonier is that guy. I think he's that guy to really make a wave. Yeah. So, staying in the middleweight division, um, the champion, Stylebender, Israel Adesanya, he wins the New Zealand Sportsman of the Year. Um, just something really cool. He won it in the first year that combat athletes were eligible for it. Wow. So uh, congratulations to you, Israel Adesanya. Um, and then some other news that I actually didn't put on the docket. But <clears throat> Wilson Hayes uh, has signed a contract with A-R-E-S Fighting. Um, I've never heard of it. They're only... Um, they've only had one event. They're promoting their second event now with the main event being uh, Nordib, Nordin Taleb. Oh, you, cool. You remember him? Yeah, I do. Yeah, so he's there. Uh, John Moraga, I'm sure you remember him. And the the name that I'm seeing, I only see because he's like kind of viral right now, is Rug Rug or Rueg Rueg. I don't know how to pronounce his name. R-E-U-G. And then that same thing again. Huh. Uh, big black dude, 6'4", 27 years old. He's 1-0. Oh. Yeah. Uh, sorry, we also have Juan Adams, who also signed with them as well. Oh, really? Yeah. After just getting cut yeah. from the UFC. That's a great move on their part, you know? Yeah. Um, I heard, like, what's his name, was saying, um, Brendan Schaub was like, damn, I thought they would have gave him, like, one more shot. But, you know, three losses, it's kind of hard to – to um. it's like you have three fights and you lose three times. It's kind of hard to be like, let's give you another shot. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's not at that status where he's been around a long time. Yeah. Where a three-fight skid, you know what I mean, they'll give him another chance, you know what I mean? And on top of that, he's young. You know, like we've seen guys that have been older – who have been cut by the UFC and have come back. I mean, look at Ben Saunders. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? So if he wants the opportunity, just he just has to do good in this new promotion. We might have to really, like, keep them on our radar because if they've got these signings, you know, 
that, yeah, that might looking, mean a couple more guys might come in too. Yeah, I'm looking at their first event, and as far as the people who actually fought on the card, I I have no idea who they are. Yeah. But if you go to like their canceled and fizzled out bouts, which are like fights that fell through for them, uh, Brian Caraway was supposed to have a fight that Ooh. fell out. Rafael Cavacante fell out. So like, it's clear that they're pursuing people now. Are they going to keep these? Like, are they going to come to fruition and actually fight eventually? Yeah. Like you said, we might have to just keep it on the radar. But that's the interesting thing. Like, big names like that who have fought in the UFC or who have been grappling superstars, that can, if they're getting guys like that and Hilson Hayes, Juan Adams, that can only mean that they're probably putting good contracts and good money up front. So, yeah. Oh, so I think. I understand why it's a big deal, and it's uh, they're based out of Paris, France, which we didn't talk about, but oh. are continuing to make strides to legalize MMA. And, um, yeah, it's on Fight Pass. So Wow, really? Yes, oh. it's on Fight Pass, so I can only imagine that they'll have a pretty good like viewing experience on there. I'll watch, definitely, as soon as it comes on. Yeah, for sure. So I'm looking forward to that A-R-E-S Fighting Championship. Excuse me. Let's get into some fight announcements, Andre. Nothing at all really today. I think there's only one fight on here that will tickle your fancy. Um, the first fight announced, uh, Mahmoud Muradov versus Carl Roberson. Then we have Roosevelt Roberts versus Matt Fravella. Hey. Or Fravola, sorry. And then we have Fabricio Verdum versus Aleski Olenek. Wow. The return. Yes. That is a firefight. Yeah. Should be interesting. I'm curious because Fabricio Verdum, well, it's not like we haven't seen it before, but like think about Mark Hunt didn't want to fight for the UFC and he was still under contract and fought. Like I remember Fabricio not too long ago not wanting to fight and he's coming back to the UFC. <laughs> so I'm looking forward to see how he comes back and if it's any good. Uh, then just two notable names. Nico Price has his next fight as well as Eric Anders. Yeah, I, I'm not going to lie. I really like the fight that they put for Nico. He's actually fighting Muslim Salikov, and that's the guy who sent Nordin Taleb to Aries Fighting Championship <laughs> with that brutal one-punch knockout. So I can only expect fireworks from that fight, you know. But it's good to see Nico like get another tough opponent. I just hope that like maybe he can get back to like fighting in the top fifteen and top ten because like even the fight with Jeff Neal, like he, he showed like tremendous heart and he showed that he can stand in there with some of the best strikers, you know. I just feel like maybe if he just adds a little bit of grappling to his game, like a little bit of wrestling I feel like he'll be even more dangerous, you know. I really like Nico Price, you know. I'm ho hopefully he does get a couple of good fights this year, you know, because he's that guy who can fight four or five times a year and be totally good, you know. Yeah, Nico Price is coming off of that vicious upkick knockout, so I expect him to like kind of get a spotlight in his next fight, and if he wins in dramatic fashion then I only expect him to be pushed a little more. Yeah, me too. I mean, 
not for nothing. I mean, even though Muslim Salikov is kind of like a relative unknown at this moment, he still has a lot of, you know, problems that can arise for Nico Price. And, you know, I, I feel like Nico can hold his own. He's got a good chin. He's never truly been, like, viciously knocked out before. So as long as he can kind of weather that storm, I feel like this will be a performance where he'll shine the most. So looking forward to it. Yeah, so let's talk about um, the UFC event that happened this past weekend. We had UFC Fight Night on ESPN+. Plus. Anderson versus Blahovic 2. Uh, this was coming from Rio Rancho, New Mexico. First of all, let's talk about some of the specifics here. So the announcers were Brendan Fitzgerald and Daniel Cormier. Two-man booth right off the back. I love it. Like, I love when they only have two people. I think Brendan Fitzgerald is extremely underrated, and we already know DC is fantastic. Yeah. Um, ring announcer Joe Martinez. I think that this guy doesn't get enough credit because we're so used to the it's time, you know, Bruce Buffer. Listen, I love Joe Martinez, and anytime he's there, I never question where's Bruce. I'm like, yes, Joe Martinez is here. Yeah, I mean, he's so great, too. I mean, like you can't take anything away from the guy. He's been around for so long, and he's always done a great job. I like his, you know what I mean, like his announcing. So, yeah. Yeah, he's great. Uh, let's talk about this. We never talk about this. The attendance. 6,449 people for a ticket revenue, live gate, of $596,820. Andre, I don't know if you know, but that's awful. Yeah. Very, very bad. Um, You know, I liked the undercard. I don't think it was anything that was going to blow anybody's socks off. But there's something, like, I get that these guys are highly ranked in the division. And all eyes are on that division coming off of the John Jones fight. But I think that the UFC has to do a little better with main events. Yeah. It's tough because with these main events, what happens is, like, it's a smaller card. And I guess their aim is at the newer fighters coming in. But you kind of have to, like, put on fights with fighters that people are going to know. That's the way you sell tickets, you know what I mean? Like, they do a good job of getting a lot of hometown fighters, but they don't get the kind of hometown fighters that people know. That that's that's kind of the issues, and then it shows at the gate at the end of the t- you know at the end of the you know, the night you know, but they do have to do a better job because I feel like there were some cards actually in 2019 that were like fight nights outside of the USC on ESPN cards like there were some pretty good cards and if they can continue to do that stack them up with good fighters. You know, it'll sell more. I, I didn't even know that this place... I don't even know what Rio Rancho is. I'm not even going to lie to you. New Mexico, yeah. Yeah, it, but it's like that. Like It's weird. It's weird places. You know what I mean? Like I do agree. They yeah. they should have... And I'm sorry to say this, but like they should have more cards in like Philadelphia. Yeah. Uh, we had our first card last year in, what, five years? Yeah, maybe, maybe more. more than that. So um, let's talk about the main event. 
308 of the first round. Jan Blahovich shuts the lights off and just rocks Corey Anderson. Um, up to this point, how did you see that first round? Because I thought Corey Anderson looked very good. Uh, he was moving very well, but here's my issue, okay? Corey Anderson is a fantastic wrestler. He knocks out one dude, and his next fight, the first thing he wants to do is box. Do you agree that that's, like, not the best idea? That was the dumbest idea possible. I mean, and if there's anything we learned about Jan Blahovich, it's that this is what gets you knocked out. And for those of you who can't see, I'm doing the hand sign for running your mouth. Luke Rockhold did it, and look what happened to him. His jaw was broken with one punch. And then Corey Anderson goes in there. There's levels to this. There's levels. And it's like, yep. And the only level you're on is on ground level because you got knocked out viciously. And 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 the thing is that, like, you can't fight a guy like that that has vicious one-punch knockout power and expect to do anything good because... Yeah, you might be able to pitter-patter him here and there, but he hits hard. And when the exchanges happen, that's when the danger arises. It's the same thing. Like, Brandon Schaub, he had fought, uh, God, I always forget his name. He got brutally knocked out by this guy. Um, Travis Brown. No. Um, he's the, Ben Rothwell. Ben Rothwell. So he fights Ben Rothwell. He's doing pretty pretty solid, you know? kind of outboxing Ben Rothwell, and then he gets confident when he lands a spinning back elbow. Then he tries to exchange with Ben Rothwell, and then you see real heavyweight power, and he gets brutally knocked out. And it was the same story with Corey. He was doing so well with the feints and the jab. It looked like he was doing a really good job. I was just, like, waiting for the takedown attempt, and it just never showed up. And he would just... I guess just the momentum of what happened in the Johnny Walker fight got to his head a little bit, you know, but you can't be like that. You have to compose yourself. You're fighting pretty much the number one guy in the division. You know what I mean? For sure. Listen, it is well documented on this podcast how much I dislike John Jones, but I think John Jones said it best when he said Corey was more worried about John Jones than he was Jan. Yeah. Like, I think Corey had the best. I mean, he's done it before. He's beaten Jan Blahovich. Like, he has a chance to beat him. And then he goes on the biggest stage possible. John Jones is there, which, you know, John Jones must have heard me when I said there was no chance he was going to be there because he did show up. Um, <laughs> listen, I, I agree with John Jones. He was looking past Jan. And I don't know. I think Jan did very good in the call out. You know, John, you're next. Yeah. Um, I think he was very well spoken. It's it's crazy to see DC in there. Like, yeah, that was probably in his head, just rolling his eyes. Like, oh come on. Yeah. Everybody knows that he needs to fight Dominic next, or he's gonna fight me. Like, crazy. It it was interesting. It's like Daniel Cormier is commentating. John Jones is sitting right there. Jan Blahovich just knocks Corey Anderson out. And it's like, dude, this is weird. But I liked what they did. 
it kind of showed that like DC and Jones, I guess they're kind of past that now in a certain sense. But, you know, you can't take anything away from Jan because he put on the performance that he needed to put on. Yeah, that's the only way people are going to see you if you're finishing fights right now. Yeah. Like, like no one's going to think about you if you're not finishing a fight in the light heavyweight division. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's like now that Dominic lost, unfortunately, competition just doesn't seem like it's there. It really it just seems like a very thin division, and Jan just kind of like opened it back up, and he was just like, hey, we're still here. I'm still knocking guys out brutally, just like I did Rockhold. And it's kind of like one of those things where John is like, all right, cool. Like, this guy's finishing people, you know? So this is something I have to worry about. He's not just a one-punch knockout artist. He's a black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. He's a solid wrestler. Like, you know what I mean? Like, he, he took Alexander Gustafson a couple rounds and almost beat him. Like, Jan is just, he's no stranger. He's been around, and and I think this is his opportunity to finally, like, get that chance, you know, because he's another guy that could pose a lot of problems for John. I mean, we've seen, we have seen what John can do against the best of the best, you know. Like, he knows how to find a way to win, you know. But, you know, it, it's just like any fight, you know. You never know what's going to happen. But Corey obviously he just didn't put his money where his mouth was. Now it's back to the drawing board. Don't know who he fights next. Don't really care. I mean, he's going to have to earn my respect again because it's one thing when you beat Johnny Walker and then you talk crap. And it's like, yeah, like this dude's a beast now. But it's another thing when you come back in a quick turnaround and you just get blasted. You know what I mean? Like, Because now it's just like, yeah, you were just talking, buddy. So, you know, we'll see what happens. Yeah, my guess is that he'll fight uh, Gustafson next. Gustafson's definitely coming back. They're definitely going to go to Europe again very soon. So as soon as that card is announced, I can only imagine that Corey will be that next fight against Gustafson. It's either that or he waits for the winner of Anthony Smith versus Glover. Um, Something else that happened that was ridiculous, too, Two times, two disqualifications from illegal knees. Um, the first one, Brock Weaver taking a vicious knee, and really he got knocked out. Yeah. Um, I thought the fight was very fun too. Up to that point, it's really unfortunate that it ended like that. Um, and then in the co-main event, Diego Sanchez versus Michelle Pajera. Michelle just putting on a clinic against Diego, destroying him. Diego's coach, I don't know if you have anything to say about that, but um, it's just really confusing. It's – I don't know what he is, like his coach. What coach – what kind of coach is he? Um, is, where Where does he come from? Because it reminds me of like that McDojo – Instagram page. He has like they've literally said it on Twitter there's proof that he has multiple videos of him like McDojo Life has multiple videos of Diego Sanchez's coach doing the dumbest crap ever. And you can just chalk it up to like what everybody what everybody thinks is true about Diego. He's nuts. He's literally crazy. And whoever this guy is is just feeding into it. 
And I guess Diego's cool with it. Because, listen, man, even listening to his coaching was embarrassing. Like, I felt horrible for Diego. Like, this is where you're at in your career right now? Like, I understand that you had it rough at Jackson Wink, but damn, like, just go somewhere else. There's so many places he can train. There's AKA, American Top Team. You got Extreme Couture. Like, who the hell is this guy? Where is he even training at? You know what I'm saying? And then, uh, I don't even understand why this fight was on the co-main. I mean, honestly, it could have been a fun fight if Pajeda would have just knocked him out. Yeah. But, like, we know Diego is resilient, and he still is, even in his nuts, you know, his nutso phase right now. Yeah. But it just was not good. Like, and it's unfortunate for Pajeda. He eats his second loss due to that. And it's crazy because he talked, like, Diego went on to, like, Instagram and said, oh, look at the cut from the knee. But then it was proven, like, that the cut was from, like, an elbow earlier on in the fight. So, like, and then he he eventually just goes, yo, I did the right thing as a veteran. Like, I did the smart veteran thing. Yeah, you took a win from somebody who was literally beating the mess out of you. Like, I understand the idea. And I almost agreed with him because it was like, yeah, like, he did get a league and a league need, but it was like the performance was terrible. Like, okay, you got the win, but don't make it seem like you earned the victory because you didn't. Like, you got beat up. The only thing with with Michel is just that he just got unlucky, you know, and you really just have to be careful with that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Because, and look, I'm going to say this because this is the perfect opportunity to say it. On Twitter, it's just been a, a serious, like, discussion that has risen from, you know, like, from this card and those two illegal knees. Like, there's a lot of people who are saying, like, this should not be illegal. This, like, knee strike on a ground opponent shouldn't be illegal because it's no different than an elbow to the skull. It's no different than a flying knee. Because if you think about it, yes, a flying knee does a lot more damage. Head kicks do a lot more damage. You know what I mean? Slams do a lot more damage, especially if you get slammed on your neck. I mean, look at Rose Namajunas. You know what I mean? She's lucky that she didn't suffer a serious spinal injury, you know, or gotten her neck broken. You know what I mean? But I, I, I guess, in light of the situation, I kind of have to agree with a lot of people, like especially the Combat Hub, because you know he did bring a lot of good points. Like if you take the whole I think the word is illegality or something. If you just take away the fact that the the strike is illegal and you make it legal, it's just better for the sport because it just becomes more of a fight. And it's it's less of a weird restriction. Because we all remember, like, Eddie Alvarez versus Dustin Poirier won. You know, Dustin was doing really good, and then Eddie started to rally, and then Dustin put his hand down. Eddie didn't see. He need him. And then the fight was called a no contest. But if we don't have that, we could probably see a lot more finishes in the UFC and in MMA in general because we've seen how effective those strikes can be. I mean, DJ uses them in one championship all the time, and they're a pretty good strike to throw, you know. So maybe just in the, as an MMA community, we can possibly work towards 
getting that strike in particular to be legalized. You know what I mean? I think it'll be good for the sport. So, we'll, you know, we'll see what happens. Yeah, it's interesting to see. I don't think anything comes from it. I think it just continues to be that that strike that you just can't do. But I think there has to be a better, like, policing of it. Like, because cl- it, like, Diego could have kept going. No, yeah, absolutely. we would have got the the right decision, like, that, you know, Michelle Pajeda wins. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't like the other knee. Like, like it, Brock Weaver got, like. Knocked out. Yeah, like he was literally like unconscious, and even he said himself, like, "It's BS." You know, that's not the way I wanted to go out. Like, I, I respect that. Yeah, because it's like, dude, I don't care. Like, it's a fight. Like, I lost. You know, and that's the thing. It's like there's not a lot of guys like that. You know what I mean? Like, there's a lot of guys who will milk that and just take the victory. But you know, if it was me personally and I got need in the skull, no, I wouldn't be upset. You know, I'd just be like, "Look, it happens." Like. Happens in training all the time. Sometimes we just get excited, see a guy get hurt, you want to finish, you know what I mean? It's okay. But, you know, it, it's not something that surprises me. It's different when you see slams, like, because you don't know what the hell is going to happen, especially when they're out cold and you're just like, is this a spinal injury, you know? Like, we just, I just saw it happen in Russia. Um, there was a grappling match going on, and then this guy just goes for a flying arm bar. He lands right on his neck and literally snaps something. And the moment his head hits the ground, his body just goes limp. And the only thing you can hear is screaming. Loud, like yelping. Like this man was, he knew it. He knew that it was over. And now he's literally paralyzed from the neck down forever. That's terrifying. It was it was one of the scariest things I've ever seen. And I've seen like a jiu-jitsu tournament, gi, both black belts, and the guy like had his legs caught in some sort of weird like guard situation and the guy tried to like the other guy tried to get out and when he did, I guess the guy got stuck on him and then the body contorted and his back broke this way. And you could hear it, like the crunching, and you just hear the loudest scream ever. Like, when you see stuff like that, it's horrible, you know? Yeah, that's that's very bad. Yeah. I don't want to see any of those injuries. Like, it was bad enough, the Anderson Silva, like, Oof. it was hard to stomach. Yeah. But, like, anything involving the neck or back, I'm just, especially, like, watching wrestling, like, anything can happen. Yeah. So... I mean, look at Stone Cold, man. That was rough against the uh, – it was Owen Hart, right, the pile driver. Yep. And then he was just there. I think some said he finished the match. He did. Yeah, he finished the match. Wow. And then think of people like – I mean, this is a, a lesser injury, if that's fair to call. But think of people like um, Triple H. Like finishing a match with a torn quad multiple times. Wow. Crazy. So UFC is going to Auckland, New Zealand this weekend. In the main event, Paul Felder versus Dan Hooker. Andre, this is a fire, fire, lightweight fight. Tell me what you think. What 
is your thought process going into this? Because this is your unbiased. We know Paul Felder's from Philly. This is your unbiased opinion on this fire main event, Andre. This is going to be a super technical striking battle. This is 100% not going to the ground unless somebody gets cracked and the other guy pursues him and it goes to the ground. But other than that, this is going to be one of those fights where any of these guys lands one strike, the perfect strike, and somebody's going to sleep. You know, Dan Hooker is a super polished kickboxer. And um, Paul Felder is a super polished Muay Thai striker. Mm -hmm. And we kind of get to see, like, one of the old school K-1 battles, you know? Like, who's going to come forward first, you know? Who's going to throw the most kicks? Who's going to land the most elbows? Like, this is going to be a great fight. And I'm super excited because it's a great opportunity for both guys to really crack themselves in title contention, you know, really more so for Dan Hooker. I mean, Paul Felder has kind of already solidified himself as a potential title contender, but this is Dan Hooker's opportunity to say, like, I'm the real deal now. I beat a top-five opponent. Give me my shot, you know what I mean? Or give me Dustin Poirier, if anything, you know? But I love this fight because... Paul Felder, technically, if you think about it, he didn't really have to take this fight, but he did because he's just that guy who will take a fight because he's a natural-born fighter. He's a warrior, you know, and and I love it. it. This is a this is one of those main events where you're like, yes, this this is worth it, you know. I will watch a whole card just to get to this main event, you know. But yeah, this um, is hundred percent fight of the night written all over. It. Yeah, there's no other fight, and and listen. There's some great fights on this card. Yeah, this card great is great talent. Like every, low key stacked. Yeah. yeah, all the people from that area that are on this card are, you know, slamming. Yeah. But this main event is like, you won't see any takedown attempts. They're gonna stand in the middle and they're gonna throw. Yeah. And throw hard. And and I don't want to even get too like technical with like you know, with the breakdown of this fight. but Because I guarantee you it's not going to be a technical matchup. It's going to be them literally just, just going at it. Just yeah. going at it. Yeah, and that's the only technical side I really see is just, like, who's, like if Paul's going to close the distance, how is he going to do it, you know? Dan Hooker has some of the longest arms. I think he contends with Tony Ferguson as probably some of the longest arms in the lightweight division at like 75 and a half inches. I know Tony has 75 inches. So, I mean, like, you know, Paul doesn't have the longest arms, but he's always found a way to, like, get on the inside and do really good work. So, you know, that that's just something I'm excited to see. Um, obviously, like, we're going off of the strength of Dan Hooker's last performance against Ally Quinta. And obviously he dominated because Al just couldn't close the distance that well. And even when he did, he wasn't effective. But Paul is a much more polished striker than Al. And, um, you know, I just think that if Dan comes in with too much confidence, he's going to end up probably getting knocked out, you know. Mm-hmm. that That's the only thing. That's the only concern I have. Because we know that Paul Felder is not like that. Like, he's very poised in there. And when he has a game plan, he usually sticks to it, you know. So, yeah, I'm just super excited that this is a great fight, not just because Paul's from Philly, but he's a legit lightweight. 
and he yes, fought some extremely. of the best, you know. Had a chance to fight Edson again, and he beat him. You know, not like he didn't dominate him, but he really did get the job done against somebody that outstruck him in the previous fight that they had. But he came back and did a great job, so I'm just super excited, man. Yeah, it's going to be a great fight. Uh, let's just go through some of these fights on this card because I'm really excited for it. Uh, Jimmy Crute in the co-main event looking to rebound after his first pro loss. You know, that disgusting Peruvian necktie yeah. from Mika Sir- Misha Serkinov. Listen, anybody would have tapped in that situation. Yeah. But um, he's facing – I'm going to struggle trying to say this guy's name. But Mikhail – Oleksizuk. I don't know how to say it. <laughs> close enough, yeah. <laughs> yes, very close. But uh, I'm looking forward to seeing Jimmy the Brute Crew again. I'll never forget, like, not this last card that he was on, but the one before that. I remember it being, like, a rough card and, like, people kind of talking about it being a rough card. And I think somebody asked Dana, like, oh, like, this card isn't there's nothing really to it like what's going on and dana was like nothing to it you ever seen jimmy the brute crew <laughs> like <laughs> so i'm looking forward to seeing him again carolina kovakevich coming back you know this might be her last chance yeah. to really make a name for herself you know she's she's got the looks but listen the talent is just not there right now especially against the competition that she's going against uh, ben Sassoli, a local guy, he's in there. And then on the main card, Brad Riddell. This dude is facing uh, Magomed Mustafayez. <laughs> um, listen, Brad okay. Riddell, he had the fight of the night in his UFC debut. The His first and in, in the last card, I think they were in the, uh, the Izzy versus yeah. Whitaker card i think he had the fight of the night and he's just one of, just like we're talking about the main event he's one of those dudes that just like stands in the middle and he's just swinging yeah so i'm uh i'm excited to see him again zubaira's on this card he's facing kevin aguilar that opens the main Wah. card <laughs> i hate him <laughs> jalen turner's in the featured prelim against joshua Kulibau. There's literally nothing on this guy. <laughs> except for one article where he was like, I'm looking to make a statement. Like, okay. Who did? <laughs> yeah, like this Joshua guy. Like, I looked everywhere. He doesn't even have a topology. He has a mixed martial arts, like, fighter.com. I don't even know what the hell it was, but yeah. Yeah, if you see his, I mean, if you go to topology which I'm on right now looking at this card. He's number one featherweight ranked in Australia and New Zealand. Yeah. He's 8-0. and no. um, He's going against the 8-5. and five. Jalen Turner. I'm sorry. I, I hate to break this up, but can I take this next fight? I knew you were going to do that because <laughs> this fight has someone that I know you're a big fan of. So go ahead. So this next fight is at welterweight, and we have – you know, Jake Matthews, who is like, you know, a hometown guy. And then we have the return of Emil Meek, the Viking. This guy's coming back. Valhalla. Valhalla forever against Jake Matthews. This is going to be one of those sneaky 
type fights where it might be fight of the night. It might not. Well, it, it's for sure going to be a barn burner. Nobody's taking a step back. I think Emil Meek might pull this off, but I'm super excited for Emil Meek to be back. I mean, when this guy destroyed Ruzumar Palhares, I was like, I don't know who this guy is, but I'm happy to see that he did that. So, you know what I mean? He's had a couple tough fights, you know, at welterweight, but I think maybe he's got it all under control now in his career, and maybe he can make a surge in the welterweight division. Yeah, for sure. I'm looking forward to seeing that. Uh, local guy Kalen Potter's fighting. Kai Kara France is back against Tyson Nam. Yeah. And then this fight interests me because this next fighter was on Joe Rogan this week. And what a fantastic interview. It was so good to hear her. Angela Overkill Hill taking a short notice fight against Loma Lukbumi. So Angela Hill looking to continue her win streak right now. Uh, if you haven't heard her interview, please go and listen to it. It's worth the two hours and 40 minutes. Uh, just fast forward the 10 minutes in the beginning and don't listen to 10 minutes at the end. <laughs> <laughs> then we have Mackie Patolo versus Takashi Sato in the welterweight division. And then the card opens up with Shanna Dobson versus Priscilla Cachajera in the uh, women's flyweight division. So should be good. I'm very, very looking forward to this card. I cannot wait. But that's not all, folks. There is actually quite a bit going on this week. Uh, first off, we have Bellator 239. I just want to say some of the notable things going on. In the main event, Ed Roof versus Yaroslav Amosov. Uh, Brendan Gertz versus Miles Jury. Uh, Terrell Fortune is on the card. Javi Ayala is on the card. And Keith Lee, no, not NXT's Keith Lee, <laughs> Kevin Lee's brother, debuts. There's also a Bellator Dublin card. Uh, that's the one that James Gallagher was supposed to be on in the main event, but that fell through because he got hurt. Uh, Ring of Combat is back, and Body Bags is making his return after his first pro loss, so I'm looking forward to seeing him coming back. Ryzen is having a fight uh, card this weekend. One Championship is having their Warrior Series this weekend. LFA has a card this weekend. And Andre, can you do me a favor? Can you uh, put your camera on? Can you take video of this? Because this is very important. Because one of the other MMA promotions that have an event this weekend is Combates America. So I'm going to stare at the camera and tell Combates, I'm going to tell you, Campbell McLaren, please book Zedekiah Montanez already. Listen, there's a lot of your fighters talking a lot of crap about this guy, Zed. But they don't know who Zed is. But they're going to find out very soon. As soon as you guys put pen to paper and book Zedekiah to fight. Go ahead. Put him in a title match right away. The Bruno guy, he don't know what's coming. Listen, Zedekiah Montanez is going to destroy the competition. You can send all your fanboys of your promotion after me. It's not working. We are an army of... Two here at YBE MMA. So you can keep coming with, oh, your boy can't handle the heat. You guys are going to find out as soon as Combate is America's and Campbell McLaren 
have the balls to finally put pen to paper. So, Combates, have a good event this weekend. But the next one that you run, please do yourself a favor and book Zed already. Thank you. That rounds out the events this weekend. Yeah. <sighs> Got me all worked up. Oh, yeah. I can see the heat coming out of your ears. <laughs> Actually, Andre, there's one more event this weekend. February 22nd. Tyson Fury versus Deontay Wilder 2. Andre, anything you want to say about this fight? Get ready to see Deontay Wilder get knocked out. No, I'm just kidding. No, um, honestly, even if you're not a boxing fan, tune in. It's going to be a great show. It's going to be a great fight. One for the ages. And, uh, yeah, let's uh, let's hope that it does end in a knockout. But I am rooting for Tyson Fury. Sorry. I am going to be biased on this one. Not a huge fan of Deontay. (laughs) There's no no need to be biased or there's no need to explain yourself. Fandom is fandom. Tyson Fury is a fantastic fighter. I do think that he took a little too much on his plate in the offseason leading up to this fight. But listen, Tyson Fury is going to do what Tyson Fury is going to do. Deontay Wilder is going to swing for the fences whether you like it or not. And hopefully we have a classic. Yeah. Hopefully. But, Andre, I'm all worked up. That has been this week's Your Boy Elroy MMA podcast. You can find the show on Instagram at YBE MMA podcast. You can find me on all forms of social media at Elroy Prepson. One word. Andre? Everyone, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter under the name Flow State Dre. And you can also find me on Facebook as my regular name, Andre Rodriguez. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Yes, if it's your birthday, happy birthday. Enjoy all the fights this weekend because there's no shortage of them. And we will see you next week.
the gray board,